Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Ed Vitagliano. And we're back. You're listening to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson. And now joining us, Steve Jordahl. Hey, doing, Steve? everybody. Uh, how are you and, doing? Yes. And, you know, we, we do get a lot of comments. I haven't been looking at our Facebook uh, page uh, much here in the last uh, week or so just because I'm, there's so much stuff I'm trying to keep up with on right, the Internet. Right. So, But I do know when I had been keeping track, when you would come on, We'd have a lot of people complimenting your ties. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's become a regular thing. you got a regular fan club, I think. Well, there you go. Um, the so. Steve Jordahl fan club, actually. The Steve Jordahl tie, tie fan, fan club. club. <laughs> right. I don't, no, I don't want to hey. know, bust your bubble. but You know what? We, maybe we could have a, uh, a fundraiser for AFA, one of AFA's favorite you know, causes, and I can auction off a couple of my ties. You know, I don't think they're that kind of fan. No? Okay. I think they, I think they like them. I don't think anyone's going to pay for them. Let's not get carried away here. <laughs> I thought what you were going to say is maybe you should start designing your own tie no, line. No, no, I line can't. of ties. I don't think I'd be good at that. <laughs> I, I'd have to agree. So, all right, Steve. All let's right. Go. Hey, let's start here. Uh, um, okay, Katanji Brown Jackson. You did it right this time. I had to think about it. Um, Is looking up at a uh, Senate committee vote on April 4th. Uh, The the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday is going to vote her out of committee, and she will go. They haven't set a floor date yet of the full Senate, but that's going to be coming soon after. Okay. Um, We uh, have uh, told a little bit about the hearings that she went through, and we've highlighted some of the things. Remember uh, one of the – Senators asked her, can you define a woman? And yes. she said she couldn't and everything. There's a, a little bit of we, audio. We, already, we mocked her for that. So. We did. Yeah. There's a little bit of audio that uh, kind of was under the radar that's come to light that we found that I thought is kind of important. Um, I want you to hear what she has to say when she's under questioning from Louisiana Senator John Kennedy. Cut four. When, uh, when does life begin, in your opinion? Senator... Um I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. Do you have I, a I belief? I, I have um, personal, religious, and otherwise beliefs that have nothing to do with the law in terms of when life begins. Do you, do you have a personal belief, though, about when life begins? I have a religious view. Religious belief? That I set aside when I am ruling on cases. Okay. When, when, when does... Uh, when does equal protection of the laws attach to a, to a human being? Well, Senator, um, I believe that the Supreme Court. Um, actually, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. A couple good questions. Yeah, Fred, we were talking about this in our story meeting. Now, we have jokingly said that Senator... John Kennedy for Louisiana is your favorite senator. He is. You like him. Yeah. And but I, I that was a brilliant line of questioning. Yes. It I was. think that was edited down a little bit. So we or was it? I think that was uh, that was. I don't okay. know that there's right. any edits in that. It wasn't his whole entire the, questioning. Right. But the, the gaps were real. The gaps yes. were real. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Her, her gaps were real. That's true. Yes. Um, 
So that last question he asked, mm-hmm. because that is why the first question is so important. Yes. When does human life begin? Because if we are dealing with a person under the Constitution inside the mother's womb, then equal protection under the law, a constitutional and legal principle by which you uh, people obtain their rights would automatically apply to the unborn child. And that's the argument. That is increasingly the argument of the pro-abortion crowd is that, okay, we'll admit that it's a human life inside the mother's womb, but it's not a person. Mm-hmm. They get no constitutional protection until they're born. Yeah. So that was a very extremely savvy line of questioning that Senator Kennedy used. I thought it was rather interesting. The first response out of her mouth to the first question was, I don't know. And then she changed course right away. Yes. Well, I have a religious point of view. But, you know, I, I, I find it very interesting, and I, I think she could have responded this way. She could have said to Senator Kennedy, well, Senator Kennedy, there's been some interesting law on that front about when it's considered a human being. For instance, if a drunk driver kills a pregnant lady, uh, quite often they're charged with a double murder. Yes. Because the, the, they, and they call it murder. They call it murder because... Well, the only reason you could call it murder, the second count there, is because you considered the baby inside the womb to be a human being. Right. So that's why it's counted. So she could have responded that way. There's some interesting law on that front out there, and uh, I'm sure we will get cases before the Supreme Court. But again, she stuttered on it because I don't think she wanted the truth out on where she feels on that issue. Because I think she's on the left. Yes, I, I think she, I'm sure she clearly, she clearly is. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you answer those questions. Now, we have said that because we do want to, we don't want to be uh, out here perpetrating fake news. I, mean, I couldn't think of the right verb there, but uh, that both sides do this. Yes. When they come before the Senate. Yes. So Amy Coney Barrett did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Katanji Brown-Jackson, they do the same thing. Because the Supreme Court has become so political, yeah, nobody wants to talk about their actual judicial philosophy because then you become a soundbite for a push to reject the nominee. So mm-hmm. nobody is honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that is certainly the case with Katanji Brown-Jackson. She was not being honest because she knew what she said would work against her. But I blame that on the Democrats who started politicizing the Supreme Court uh, with Robert Bork back in 87, I think. What stood out uh, to me about that clip, though, and I don't want to judge somebody's religion, but I'm going to judge her religion, I guess. Um, when she says, I have a faith, uh, an answer that my faith provides as to when this has happened, but I set it aside when I'm at work, um, voluntarily leaving your faith at the door, I that makes me uncomfortable uh i guess at, at the best interpretation is i question whether she really believes it or not or how important her faith is to her not that that's a necessarily a disqualifier for the supreme court or even fair of me to ask but i mean that really struck me that because that's not what we're hearing from people like uh um uh the uh, who's the lady that just the, amy coney barrett a- amy coney barrett 
was, but was I th- dogma I think, living loudly within her. Yes, I, I, I think, and we had this conversation last week. I think it might have been in a previous segment before you came on. I, I do think it's important that even people of faith remember that they have to uphold the law. If it's a bad law, it needs to be changed. You cannot, you cannot overturn laws from the bench. This is my opinion. I know people will be screaming at their radio. You cannot overturn laws from the bench based on personal opinion or even your religion. Yeah. I, I think it's important that we say that yep. because we're against activist judges, and that's what an activist judge is. But on the other side of that issue is the fact that we have gone so far afield in our legal system departed from the Constitution, and we've departed from the constitutional way of doing things, that really it's a lose-lose situation for anyone, person of faith or a person with no faith, when they think something is wrong that the law tells them. But, you know, I I think you struck on a point there. Here's the difference between the left-leaning justices on the Supreme Court and the more conservative ones. The left-leaners, they have no problem applying their worldview. That is true. (laughs) They have no problem of looking at a law and saying, you know what, I know what they meant back then when they created the law, but here we are today. So I think it's a living document and right. all that's, those things is- they, they say. So be very clear. The nominee, Brown Jackson, is a lefty. Biden wouldn't have nominated. Right. She's a lefty. And she's going to vote in the flavor of the retiring Breyer. All right. She's going to be with um, Sotomayor. Yep. She's going to be with, uh, who else uh, am I thinking about? Kagan. Yep, Elena Kagan. And she's going to be with, is there one more? I guess this is No, I think think that's. That'll be the three. I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, so those three ladies will vote according to their liberal worldview. That's what we're up against. She's your cousin, uh, Fred Jackson. I think you should talk to her. That's that's right. <laughs> well, and and uh, I, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. Abortion is a terrible evil. I think you can overturn those kinds of things uh, by simply returning to the Constitution. Sure. Yes. So sure. I'm not saying there. I'm just saying you can't. You can't just simply say I, my faith tells me this is wrong. So I'm going to ignore ignore the law. I think you can overturn Roe versus Wade by saying it was wrongly decided. Sure. There's nothing in the Constitution that gives the right to an abortion. So I want to make that clear before people start filling up my email box, <laughs> so, which they will do. All right. Hey, um, the the dismembered police, I guess you guys were talking a little bit last hour about the police, uh, the violence in communities and yes. the defund the police. Chicago is also one of those places where their mayor, Lori Lightfoot, has said she wants to defund the police. She said some very angry things about the police. However, as it so turns out, she's not all that in, uh, opposed to police in real life, uh, as we will find out. Fred, you brought this in, but let's listen, if we can, to Cut 9. It is essential that the police department take responsibility for the way in which it's uh, policed and the way in which it has, in many instances, alienated people of color, particularly African Americans in this city. We live in a city that is traumatized by a long history of police violence and misconduct. We can't rely upon the police 
to provide public safety. She has over 85 officers total. She has a battalion to protect her 24-7. She sleeps well at night when she goes to bed. The citizens of Chicago have to sleep under their bed to, to, to protect themselves from stray bullets. She's not a friend of the police. That was constitutional attorney Leo Terrell. Fred, she's, she's actually a pretty high on the police when it comes to her personal safety. Yeah, and this is the breaking story today. I think the Chicago Tribune has it and a few other outlets there uh, that initially she had about 20, I guess you could call them bodyguards, uh, but she's up that now to about 80 or 85. I, I guess they all work 24 hours a day on shifts and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, once again, it's one of those things that I think Leo Terrell, as he went on in the interview, said, you know, uh, rules are for thee, not for me. So there she is. What you had there at the front of that was her dissing police over the last couple of years. On and on and on. But then she's, she has ordered this contingent. Now, just stop and think about this. 80 to 85 police officers are now dedicated to her safety. Yeah, and the 20 is the typical, yeah. the ordinary group of uh, police officers that protect the mayor. Yeah, working in shifts. Yeah, working in shifts. That's normally what a mayor has available. She's increased that four times. Yeah, It's I four know. times the number of police officers that are watching over her. So like Leo Terrell said, she's kept safe. She sleeps good at night, mm. but she continues to demonstrate hostility towards the police department that is necessary to protect the rest of Chicagoans. So once again, the hypocrisy of the left, not that the right, not that conservatives can't be hypocritical at times, but we have seen it in aces over the last couple of years. Yeah. And what I, you know, and the other sad part of this, uh, she is African-American. Yes. She, in Chicago, there's a large African-American community, which every weekend we hear the death toll. Yes. I mean, why wouldn't her heart be breaking for those people in her city and saying, well, rather than add another 60 to my personal protection, I want those city cops, those 60 city cops to be out there on the weekend protecting families. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't understand that mentality at all, yeah. how selfish you can be. I mean, we're talking, we're talking on the weekend, 40 to 50 shootings in Chicago. Many times it's 20 to 25 people killed, young people. Innocent people. Innocent people. These aren't gang members primarily. Uh, maybe some of them are, but there are an awful lot of innocent people who get killed by stray bullets. Very often little kids. Yeah. All right, Steve. All right. Um, so according to Rasmussen in the poll here, we find that by a margin of 52% to 40% voters in America believe that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 U.S. presidential elections. Give that percentage, those percentages 52% of people. Okay. Of voters. Uh, and that's 34% of Democrats believe that. So that's a large percentage of voters who really think that maybe the, the 2020 election was not on the up and up. Now... We are told we are canceled uh, online. Your 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 accounts will be taken away if you dare even bring this up. You are marginalized. Uh, if you've ever heard somebody bring this up uh, with a legislator, they deride you so much. But I'm afraid that the the that the truth of what's going on here is is hard to conceal because now we have some research 
by a guy, uh, a guy named John Lott. And uh, John Lott is he's a president of the Crime Prevention Research Center and is uh, dealing also with voter fraud. And he has new research out. And this research, by the way, is this article is published in Real Clear Politics, not a right wing media right. outlet. This isn't like Breitbart or Newsmax is, is saying this. But this is a this is a commentary piece, though. It is a it is a yeah, it's a yeah. commentary piece that Real Clear Politics has decided to publish. Yeah. He finds out with new research is forthcoming in a peer reviewed economic journal called Public Choice. Evidence of around 255,000 excess votes, maybe as many as 368,000 for Joe Biden in six swing states where Donald Trump lodged accusations of fraud. Biden only carried the states, this is Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, by a total of 313,000 votes. Um, so it, 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 it's looking like more and more. There was some fraud going on, and this is – I don't know how you hold this back or hold it down. Gee, we should we be shocked? John Lott, by the way, is a former senior advisor for research and statistics at the U.S. Department of Justice's Office of Legal Policy, where he dealt with issues of vote fraud, so he knows what he's talking about. Listen, there had to be problems in the election of 2020 – when you had hundreds of thousands of unsolicited absentee ballots that went out right. in certain areas of the country. In other words, people who never asked for a ballot were sent a ballot. I mean, it's just, it was ridiculous. The other thing that happened is that the people, when these ballots start coming back, particularly some of them coming back late on election night, they didn't have the opportunity, many of the election workers, to check the signatures. Right. They, they, they couldn't do that. There was, so in other words, you had thousands of these absentee ballots coming back to be counted, and there was no way to prove that the person who filled that out was a leg legitimate voter for that district. Right. There was no way to prove it. But now they're going back through this and realizing the problem. We're not going to change the overall outcome of 2020. That's not going to happen. But what is happening now is that they're going back and saying, we can't do this again. Right. There's a bit of kerfuffle going on in Houston, Texas right now over this because they're not going to do this again. They're not going to send out hundreds of thousands of unsolicited ballots out there. They're not going to allow harvest, uh, ballot, ballot harvesting. Right. In other words, some guy going in and to a nursing home, and going around and picking up everybody's ballots and allegedly taking it back. Remember James O'Keefe with Project Veritas? Did, yes. Didn't did they release video of individuals in some of these big cities that were going from Dropbox to Dropbox? Yes. Yes. Stuffing bunches of ballots in that, at the very least, were ballot harvested. Yes. But do we know whether or not they were simply filled out? Yes. And dropped in. In other words, not harvested ballots. But falsified ballots. And stop the presses. Many of these areas are going back to demanding voter ID. Right. Wow. What a thought. Listen, if this turns out, this research that uh, John Lott is doing, and this is going to be in a peer-reviewed journal, you said, public, what? what's the name of it? Public Choice. Public Choice. And what that means is that others will look at his data. And as these kinds of studies 
and research goes forward. If, folks, please, if we are reporting what's happening, we'll find out what is the result of what's ha- of those kinds of uh, reports. But if it comes out and we find out that there were falsified ballots on this scale, yes, you have a lot of Republicans that will have to answer for it because they didn't want to talk about what President Trump was talking about, a stolen election. There were a lot of Fox News. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're going to have a lot of people who have to answer for the fact that they would not hear it and did not demand answers. So they're going to have to answer for it on the conservative side as well as the liberal side. Yes. Yeah. I'm just amazed at the the anger that comes up on the left when someone even broaches the the uh, possibility that the election wasn't on the up and up. Just a Senate hearing or a congressional hearing the other day where one of the senators or members of Congress was badgering a witness. Do you believe that the 2020 election was held, uh, was was legitimate? The guy answered, I believe that Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Do you believe that the thing was legitimate? Do you believe that there was cheating going on? I believe that Joe Biden is the Listen, president of the United I, States. He was trying to to impugn this guy by think by saying if he believing that there was some fraud in the Listen, election. And this comes from the Democrats, the same Democratic Party and the same political left that said the same thing about President Trump. Yes. When he was elected. The Russians interfered. I forget the percentage of of Democratic voters. It was way up in the 40s who did not believe the election was legitimate. Yes. Okay, all that stuff happened in 2016, too. Now they just want to impugn people who believe there were shenanigans in the 20, uh, 2020 election. So uh, to, to Democrats, I say, physician, heal thyself. If you don't like it that there are a lot of Republicans who think something funny went on and that the relate that the uh, the vote is not the way we were told it was, then you should be you should be correcting Democrats for saying it about 2016. Yes, and who knows about 2024? What's yes. going to happen? Mm-hmm. We may have this all come back and circle back if if former President Trump runs again, and if he were to win again, <laughs> you don't think Democrats would be out saying illegitimate election? Of course. Come on. Speaking of, let me just end this by uh, this is a statement, the most Trumpian statement ever put out. By President Trump, this was issued yesterday. Let me just read it to you. Many people are asking, so I'll give it to you now. It's 100% true. While playing with the legendary golfer Ernie Els, winner of four majors and approximately 72 other tournaments throughout the world, Gene Sowers, winner of the senior U.S. Open, Ken Duke and Mike Goods, both excellent players, I made a hole in one. It took place at Trump International Golf Club in West Palm Beach, Florida, on the seventh hole, which was playing 181 yards into a slight wind. I hit a five iron, which sailed magnificently into a rather strong wind with approximately five feet of cut, whereupon it bounced twice and went clank into the hole. There is a great tour player. These great tour players noticed it before I did because their eyes are slightly better than mine. Anyway, there's lots of chatter about it. It's quite exciting. The match with Ernie and me against Gene, Mike, and Ken, I won't tell you who won because I'm a very modest individual. And then you'll say I'm bragging, and I don't like people who brag. <laughs> and it was it was the, the best ever. The, I, best the, most, the most Trumpian ever. Yes. yes. So uh, uh, who knows? We, we may once again 
here coming up in the run-up to the 2024 election. We may have more Trumpian statements to come. <laughs> no doubt. It's looking like he's going to run again. So, All right, folks, that is all the time we have for this edition of Today's Issues. More great programming directly ahead on American Family Radio. Please tune in. You can go to AFR.net to get podcasts of all your favorite programs. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now.